Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Final hour of power here on this Thursday night edition of Overtime. It's the Youngest in Charge movement. Linnell Willingham will take you up to 10 o'clock before we hand things over to Tech Talk Live. Programming note before we get out of here. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we'll hear from Josh Robbins, who covers the Washington Wizards for the Athletic. Uh, We'll get a little state of the Wizards after the first 11 games of the season. I've been out at a couple of games. was out there last night at Cap 1. Uh, So we'll talk all things Washington Wizards with Josh Robbins. I figured it'd be a good radio idea here. Really the basis of our show here tonight. We've talked a lot about Albert Breer and the comments that he made earlier today on Grant Danny. Lucky for you all. uh, We will re-air that interview in its entirety before we get out of here because I thought there was a lot uh, to chew on. And I just think the conversation was really good between the guys, and I'm going to phrase it as that. I think it was more of a conversation uh, than actually an interview. We'll play that before we get out of here. Right now, though, as promised, as we get ready to enter week 11 of the National Football League, actually, we're already in week 11 of the National Football League. The Ravens up 7-3 to right now on the Cincinnati Bengals. Lamar Jackson suffered some sort of lower body injury. He entered the tent. Tested it out on the sidelines. Gave the trainers a thumbs up, so he is back in this football game. Uh, Other injury news uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, not so good. Uh, Their all-pro tight end, Mark Andrews, ruled out for the rest of this one. He also uh, suffered a lower body injury to his left side. We'll get you more details on that as they become available, but Baltimore has already ruled him out for the remainder of this one. Huge game uh, in terms of the standings in the AFC North. Baltimore up 7-3. Uh, when I get out of here, you can flip it over to our sister station, the Team 980, and they'll bring you Westwood One's coverage of Thursday Night Football, one of the better games of the year uh, happening right now in prime time. Before, or speaking of big picture, National Football League and separating contenders from pretenders, we'll do so now with the most esteemed power ranking segment in all of Sports Talk Radio. It's time for Nell Super Six Pack, my top six teams in the National Football League. Super six pack. Three, three, two, two, y'all. One. Time to do it. No super six pack. My top six teams in the National Football League. It's been a little while since we've done Nell's super six pack. Coming in at number six, team that I've been high on all season long. They have had a couple of hiccups this season, like two weeks ago against the Baltimore Ravens when they got stomped 38 to six. Coming in at number six is Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. I think 
this team is starting to get healthy. They suffered a hiccup a couple of weeks back against Baltimore. You take the Ravens game out, though. The Detroit Lions, winners of five out of their last six, winners of six out of their last seven, and they're playing good football on both sides. I said it back this offseason when they signed David Montgomery. It may be what gets Detroit over the top. They probably have the best one-two punch in the NFL at running back right now with Jamar Gibbs and David Montgomery. But when I look at Detroit and their roster, one through one through 53, I'm jealous for one because all the contributions are getting from their draft class. Jack Campbell playing good football. Brian Branch playing good football. Sam Laporta, clearly the best rookie tight end. They've built that roster the right way, and it's kind of relevant based on the conversation we've had surrounding the future of the Washington Commanders with Bill Belichick being rumored to have interest here and Washington rumored to have interest in him. So whoever comes in here next, a franchise to model yourself after, maybe the Detroit Lions. They come in at number six and Nell's Super Six Pack. They're scheduled down the stretch really lends me to think they may end up being the number one seed in the entire NFC come playoff time. So make sure you're playing close attention to Jared Goff and those Detroit Lions. Coming in at number five in those Super Six Pack, my top six teams in the National Football League. Number five is the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas comes in with a record of six and three. They're a team that I feel like over the past month or so was playing a lot better football. They lost to Philadelphia two weeks ago in a really hard-fought game. But they proved a lot to me in their loss against the Eagles, and here's why. I think offensively, there was talk about Dak Prescott regressing, taking a step back. I look at the game against Philly and the game against the Chargers. Dak Prescott's playing some of the best ball of his career. In the loss against Philly, 29-44, three touchdowns. This offense for Dallas has been humming, and it's because CeeDee Lamb's getting involved. There was some hoopla about a month ago about CeeDee being upset with his lack of targets, specifically after that game against the San Francisco 49ers where he goes five catches for 49 yards. Since then, CeeDee Lamb has had at least seven catches in 110 yards in every game since. They've got it figured out on the offensive side of the football. Defensively, they suffered an injury at linebacker, Leighton Van Der Esch, out for the season. But I still think the MPP, as our pal Brian Baldinger likes to call him, the Micah Parsons problem, will ultimately be too much for opposing teams to overcome. Dan Quinn and that Cowboys defense will be the reason that they end up finishing the season strong and making it to the postseason. But I think it's the Dallas offense led by Dak Prescott that may have them being talked about in the final four uh, in the National Football League. Dallas comes in at number five in Nell's Super Six Pack. Number four in Nell's Super Six Pack. My top six teams in the NFL. The team up by 95, the Baltimore Ravens. They're on right now, up seven to three over the Cincinnati Bengals. When I look at Baltimore, it's, it's hard. It was hard for me to put them in the number four spot because of what happened to them last week, but I'm not going to crush them for it. Ravens off to a good start. They're 7-3. and three. They're first place in the AFC North. Defensively, they're playing as good as they've played over the past five years. 
They've got a pass rush. They're turning people over. The only thing that will hurt the Ravens down the stretch, I feel like, is the injury bug. We saw Mark Andrews go out tonight. I don't know how long he'll be on the shelf. Lamar had to miss a couple of plays tonight. So we'll see moving forward what happens with the Baltimore Ravens. When we look at that schedule down the stretch, you got to finish this one out with the Bengals. You're at L.A. You got at the Jaguars. You're at the Niners. You got a home date with the Dolphins, and then you close out the season at home against Pittsburgh. Who knows what the final seven weeks will bring us in terms of the AFC playoff picture. But with the Ravens falling the way they did last week to the Browns, it makes me trust them a little bit less. That's all I'll say. I still think they're one of the top five teams in the NFL. They come in at number four in Nell's Super Six Pack. Number three in Nell's Super Six Pack. My top six teams in the National Football League. Number three, the San Francisco 49ers. And I've been hard on Kyle Shanahan and company. I was one of the last people, it feels like, to get on board with just how good this football team is. They've had to overcome the injury bug. They got Trent Williams and Debo Samuel back last week. And they won in dominating fashion. The win over Jacksonville on Sunday for San Fran, 34-3. It has me looking at them completely different. Chase Young played well in his debut. If that pass rush can get going for San Francisco, look out. Before the win, though, against Jacksonville, the game on the road against Minnesota on Monday night, Kirk Cousins lit him up. Jordan Addison went Kanye crazy. And then the game... A week ago against Cincinnati, Joe Burrow and company, it was their get-right game. My big question moving forward for the Niners is, can this secondary, can this defense live up to their expectations? They come in, though, at number three, and they'll super six-pack. Number two, and they'll super six-pack. Our top six teams in the NFL is the defending Super Bowl champions, the honorable BOTDs, as I like to call them, the benefit of the doubts, Patty Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They come in at number two and not number one. For a certain reason, consistency. Final two teams in those Super Six Pack play on Monday Night Football in a Super Bowl rematch. I think the Eagles right now are the best team in the NFL. I think the Chiefs are number two in the separator. I think it's the consistency that we've seen all year long from the Philadelphia Eagles. They got the best record in football at 8-1. and one, And I know it's only a game better than Kansas City. And it feels like each and every week the Eagles have been in a dogfight. Each and every week, the Eagles have been tested. There's not a game they haven't played in this season. They got great balance. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. Defensively, though, to me, I think Kansas City's defense is better, but Philly's offense, I think, is better than Kansas City's, which if you would have told me that about three or four months ago, you'd think I was on drugs. The Chiefs' defense has been one of the top three units in the National Football League. Trent McDuffie is playing like a top five player at the position. And they've got pass rush with George Carl Loftus and Chris Jones. Huge showdown on Monday night. I think the Eagles, who are the better team, they may not win Monday night because it's on the road in Arrowhead. But right now it seems like we're on a collision course to a Super Bowl rematch between the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. They round out. My Super 6 pack will run through it one more time. At number 6, the Detroit Lions. Number 5, the Dallas Cowboys. Number 4, the Baltimore Ravens. Number 3, the San Francisco 49ers. Number 2, the Kansas City Chiefs. And number 1, the best team in the National Football League, those flying Philadelphia Eagles. We'll take a quick timeout. We come back. We'll switch gears completely. 
for the back half of the show. Josh Robbins, who covers the Washington Wizards for the Athletic, he's set to join us next. We'll do a State of the Wizards, 11 games into the season. That's next here on The Fan. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It is overtime here on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement. Linnell Willingham will take you up to 10 o'clock tonight. So about a half hour left to go. Before we hand things over to Tech Talk Live, we'll switch gears here a little bit. We've been talking all things burgundy and gold. We'll switch over to the round ball here for a second. We'll go out to the BetQL guest hotline is where we find our pal Josh Robbins who covers the Washington Wizards. For the athletic, you can give Josh a follow on the old X app at Joshua B. Robbins. Josh, what's going on, my man? How are you? We're going national, Linnell. We're going national. <laughs> we are going national, my friend. So I, the way I wrote it in the show rundown this morning as I was getting prepared is I wanted to do the, a state of the Washington Wizards through the first 11 games of the season. I know we obviously got an up-close-and-personal look at the fellas last night in their loss against Dallas but when you look at the first 11 games of the season, big picture, Josh, what have been your biggest takeaways? Big picture is Bilal Koulibaly, Denny Adia are better than they were a few months ago. Yep. That their lottery odds are going to be good. And that if you're a fan of the Wizards, it's still incredibly difficult to watch that team play and enjoy that team's games. I think it's fair. I think it's a fair way to put it. Now, the one thing I do want to harp on is you talked about Bilal Koulibaly and Denny Avdia. I think you brought those guys up because it's probably going to be the most important thing this year is the growth and development of the young guys on this roster. Talking about guys like Corey Kisper, Denny Avdia, Bilal Koulibaly. And dare I even mention Johnny Davis, who we saw get some spot minutes last night in the fourth quarter. One thing, and this is more a statement than a question, Josh, and I kind of just want your reaction. After watching this team in person a couple of times already this season, Josh, one thing that was painfully apparent last night, and we talked about this uh, at certain times yesterday, it just feels like, and tell me what you think, do you feel like they're consistently playing hard? And if the answer to that question, Josh, is no, how do you get that to turn around? I think most of them are playing hard. I think there are a couple of them who don't play any defense at all. Uh, Jordan Poole played next to nil defense with Golden State, and that's something that is very difficult to turn around on a dime. Yeah. I think the appearance of a lack of effort is magnified when you have a very small backcourt. 
because those guys, even if they were trying hard, would be very limited in how effective they could be because they're they're not big enough yeah. to be effective on a team that doesn't have outstanding defenders at other spots on the floor. So I think part of this, I think you're right in some cases that the effort isn't quite there. But at the same time, I think it, it seems worse than it truly is because they are simply limited defensive players. No, I hear you all the way on that. Uh, Thank Josh you. And- Thank you. <laughs> no, it's as as a Wizards fan, I always say I'm a fan first. I, I think what you said a little bit earlier, it's it's tough to watch the team. It's tough to watch the team, Josh, when they are getting drummed by 30 points. It feels like in every loss this season, they've trailed by 30 points at some point in the game. The way I would describe it, Josh, is there is a respectable way to lose. And I had a couple talk to a couple of folks in attendance last night who are who were seeing this team for the first time in person, and Josh, that's the first thing that they immediately jump to is the lack of effort at times is glaring. And I now want to read you this comment and quote from 19-year-old Bilal Koulibaly from last night. This is Bilal on the Wizards' first quarter defense. He said, quote, defensively, we're not playing for each other. We're not in the rotations. We're not respecting what we're supposed to do. My jaw dropped when I saw that comment be made from Bilal because, one, he's damn right. And then, two, it was just surprising to hear that come from your 19-year-old. What did you make of the comments? And then do you think the assessment's accurate? I heard that. I was there when he said it. I thought it was a very, very uh, well-said statement. I also suspect that um, Bilal, in that case, was parroting what was said in the locker room afterward, yeah. probably by the coach. Uh, yeah, that's often what happens. Uh, where the coach says what the coach thinks, not just with the Wizards, in any sport. And um, in the post game, the players repeat what the coach said because they think the coach is right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think, yes, Bilal was technically speaking for himself and he was free to say what he wanted to say, but I think he was reflecting what most, almost certainly was uh, what Wes Unsell Jr. thought, and that to his credit, uh, you know, Wes Unsell Jr. is never going to be someone who throws his players under the bus, even if he sees that they didn't perform up to his expectations. Now, Josh, the one thing I would ask to piggyback off of that is play college football, played high school football. One thing that's similar in all sports. It's not just specific to basketball. When a team is having issues playing hard consistently, a lot of folks that I've been around would, would attribute that to the head coach and his lack of command of the locker room. Do you think that's the situation here in Washington, or do you think it's just more so a talent issue? Because obviously this group isn't – the roster isn't constructed for this group to come out and win a bunch of games, but it's also Josh – I think not constructive for them to go down by 30 every night either. That's true. So I, I'll, I'll quibble a little bit. Uh, you and I are friendly enough where you di- you can certainly disagree with me, right. um, which is, uh, you know, I respect you. Um, and I think the feeling's mutual. Uh, they have the four games before this one that they lost last night weren't blowouts. 
As a matter of fact, um, they've arguably, excuse me, the three games before this one, the, those three games, the Wizards could have won all three and arguably should have won all three based on how they played. Um, and you're 100% correct on that. I misspoke. I'm, I'm talking about the, the losses prior to the three-game stretch where it felt no, like they had turned it around. Well, you know, and when they lose badly, it, it, it really does take a toll. Did we lose Josh? I get what he was getting at, though. I misspoke. The three games prior to last night, close loss to Toronto, which they blow a 24-point lead. A close loss to, to to Brooklyn where they blow another substantial lead. It's just, there's a lot of discussions had last night at Cap 1 that really, it told you and it told me where this franchise is right now. I'm never one to call for anyone to be fired, but through 11 games of the season, it was it's become very apparent. It just feels like there's a disconnect right now. Uh, within the Washington Wizards organization, and not within the organization, but within the locker room, in terms of guys not playing hard on a consistent basis, that's really, that's really what, kind of what we were trying to hit on with that. It, it's going to be frustrating at times to watch. I mean, no one likes to watch a losing product, but as I tweeted out earlier, there's a respectable way to lose. I feel like, and last night, the first quarter that they had, I mean trickle down for the rest of the game. You were down 25 for a majority of that contest. It, there's a respectable way to lose, and I think that's 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 the way I will leave it. I thought Bilal Koulibaly's comments post-game were accurate, and it kind of feels like they're at a real interesting point of the season because there's 82 games, so I think it's only right that you kind of break the season down in 10-game stretches. They're getting ready to enter their second 10-game stretch of the season. Hopefully, we see some drastic turnarounds, or maybe we could see some changes made within the organization. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll let you hear the interview in its entirety that we've been talking about all show long. Grant and Danny, earlier this afternoon, were joined by senior NFL reporter Albert Breer, and he gave legs to the report that we heard last week about the Harris Ownership Group potentially having interest in bringing in Bill Belichick. That's next here on The Fan. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Welcome back. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. One final segment to go before we hand things over to Tech Talk Live. Want to let you all hear in its entirety the conversation that we've been playing cuts from all show long. Senior NFL reporter Albert Breer joined Grant and Danny earlier this afternoon and gave life to the rumors that we've heard over the past week or so that the Josh Harris ownership group potentially interested in bringing in Bill Belichick. Take a listen. Our buddy Albert Breer, been too long, does a great job covering the NFL, one of the most plugged-in reporters in the country, senior NFL reporter and lead content strategist at the MMQB and NBCS Boston. Uh, Albert, thanks for a few minutes, bro. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. So I wanted to get you on because we wanted to ask you about these rumors 
about Belichick and Washington. And full disclosure, a couple weeks ago, Florio kind of floated something. It was the first we'd heard of it publicly here in D.C. And Danny and yep. I just kind of dismissed it and said, we're not talking about this. This seems dumb. Not again, you know, nothing against Florio, but it just seemed crazy. And it just keeps coming up. And then yesterday or a couple days ago, we started connecting some dots after what Orlovsky said. It's not the craziest thing that Harris might be interested, but educate us. You're plugged in there. What do you know? Yeah. Um, you know, these connections have been made for a while. Um, I would say, um, you know, in NFL circles is something that people have been talking about for a little while before it became public. And, you know, credit to Mike for, for, for getting the reporting on that nailed down. Um, I, I don't know, like, to what level it's advanced, but it's certainly been talked about, something that um, I think the one thing that I've had a hard time ascertaining is, like, exactly what context in which the commanders would bring Belichick in if that were to happen. Um, would it be as, like, sort of a football czar? Would it be as a head coach? Would it be as both? You know, that part I'm not as sure about, but it does seem like there would be some interest there. Um, now, you know, like how that materializes over the course of the rest of the year, I think you guys know how back channels work and all of that. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. But I, I would say, like, it it does make sense for a couple of different reasons. Number one, you know, Belichick's from there originally. He grew up in Annapolis, which I, you guys know how close that is to you more than I do. I think it's 45 minutes, right? Something right. like that. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, the second piece of it is I think for, for Josh Harris here, if you look at the history of these sorts of things and when they we've seen, you know, guys who are older who are established come in, it's almost always been a credibility play for the owner, right? So, in other words, like when Bill Parcells was in Miami, um, you know, like Steve Ross was very, very new. Uh, the ownership was being handed off from Wayne Huizenga. And so having Bill Parcells gave him some credibility as an owner. When Shad Khan brought in Tom Coughlin in 2017 – it was very much a credibility play. It was, we fumbled around and messed up some hires, and now we need to bring in somebody who really knows what they're doing. And it was done in part to give, you know, the ownership group credibility. And so I think, you know, for a new owner, bringing in somebody like Belichick would not, would, would, would certainly give you credibility, you know, and um, being able to land somebody like that would give you credibility. You know, and then I think the third part of it would be just kind of where the commanders are. And if they decide that we are only a few steps away and they do make the decision, which, to be clear, has not been made to move away from the three guys who've been in charge and Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney. If they do make that decision to move away from that brass, but decide we still have a roster that's relatively close and we can go out and spend some money and, and build around Sam Howell. Well, you know, then, like, how would you, you know, immediately give that team, that that, that group some juice? And, um, you know, say we're going to get the most out of this particular group in the here and now. It makes sense to make a hire for right now, and Belichick would be that. So I think there are several reasons why it makes sense. You know, there's also Bill's history in the NFC East and his affinity for, you know, franchises and cities that have history, and certainly you guys have that down there. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting idea. And I don't know if it's gotten much past the idea stage, but, again, it's something that's been rumored for a while. Albert Beer with us here. On Grant and Danny, what, what logistically would, would be involved? Is it a firing and yeah. rehiring new contract? Is it a trade? And, and what sort of compensation? Like, how, how would that work, Albert? Well, so that's what's fascinating about it, because at some point, 
you know, the crafts are going to have to sit down with, with Bill and uh, like, and handle this part of it. You know what I mean? Like now I've advocated, I think they should do it now because it does feel to me like it does feel it. it I, I was just saying this market is starting to feel like an inevitability that this is the end. Right. And so if that's true, and I'm not saying one way or the other that Kraft has made that decision, but if he has, it would make sense for him to sit down with Bill and say, how do you want to handle this? And try to give him some dignity on the way out. And he could say, you know, like, you'll walk away right now if you want, and we can install Gerard for the rest of the year. Um, and you've earned that, right? Like, if you want to do that, you can do that. We can, you know, play this out to the end of the year not say anything and then announce it the day after the season. We can play this out the rest of the year, announce it with a week or two left, and then give the, chance, the, the fans a chance to say goodbye to you and honor you in the last home game. Um, or we can do this the hard way. And I think the thing that you're talking about is what makes this difficult. It's do the crafts want compensation? And in particular, do they want compensation as a result of not getting any compensation for Brady? You know, like in saying we can't let both Brady and Belichick walk without getting any compensation. Well, you know, if they try to do that and have that be part of the deal, Bill's got the power to just say, no, you know, I, I want to coach next year. So just fire me. You can fire me and then I'll take my money and whatever team I'm going to will keep their draft picks and, and that'll be that. So that compensation part of it, I think, is what makes whatever the eventual separation, however that happens, a little tricky. Albert Breer joining us on Grant and Danny. So I guess just to simplify things, am I overstating it or putting words in your mouth if I say it sounds like you wouldn't be surprised if Josh Harris tries to land Bill Belichick? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, 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 I like, and, and again, like I'm not saying unequivocally that he's going to go make a run at them. But, you know, I, I do think it's something that um, I, I do think it like I would I, I would certainly say it's something that would be in play. Um, and, and again, if and when he makes the decision to move on from the guys he's got there now. Sure. Um, you know, I do think like it's something that I think it's something that's at least been on Josh's right. I think it's something that they've at least they, they, they've at least given some thought to. Wow. And, um, you know, again, like I don't think it's like I, I don't. I, they, they, you know, you. I think for a new owner coming in and, and deciding what he's going to do to the fran- do, do with the franchise, you probably think a lot about a lot of things. But you know, like it's just that this stuff has been floating around out there, and I, I don't believe that it, that that things just float around out there for no reason. You know, so um, it, it'll be interesting to see again first the way the separation happens between Belichick and, and New England, and then. Um, you know, what the market is for Bill if he wants to continue to coach or if he wants to be in some sort of executive role somewhere. And, um, you know, I, I think the teams that would um, – the teams that, that, that are going to have openings probably would all have to at least give it some thought. Now, some would be in position to land him and others wouldn't. Um, but I, I certainly think Washington would be one that, that, would, that would have his interest for, for, again, the reasons that I laid out before. So th- this isn't a good question or a yeah. way to form it? right uh you wouldn't use this to teach college students radio but i want to give you like my thought process and just you jump in wherever you want Uh, everything they've done to this point as a group and maybe i'm wish casting but it has felt like they'll go young analytical offensive minded kind of anti-belichick but then albert when i looked at the history for harris his nhl team's coached by lindy ruff who's fifth all-time in wins and in year 23 you know, I know it didn't work out, but he went and got Doc Rivers, who's top 10 in wins in the NBA. 
but yeah. he does kind of have a type. He hasn't seemed to mind, even with young, analytically driven teams, much older guys with, with big, beefy resumes. Yeah, and I mean, who's to say that Bill Bill's very, very secretive about his methods? I mean, the way New England's worked for the last 24 years is very siloed off. So people might have an idea how he does one thing, but nobody knows how he does everything, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know, so um, they've always been very, very protective of, of how they use the numbers. And, you know, the one thing that's interesting, and, and I'm sure Josh knows this in his own research, I was doing a big story, um, you know, like tw- I think this was five years ago on, on analytics and football. And, you know, and going through the whole thing, uh, you know, like I – I did a piece of the story on this guy, Parag Marath, who he works for the Niners. He's one of the top guys there, one of the top guys for Jed York's sports enterprises. Um, he has worked overseas for the, and basically runs the lead soccer team overseas. So he's like basically the forerunner of football analytics. And he initially got to the Niners um, from, as a consultant from Bain Capital. And um, they went through like game situations and, and decision-making and all that different stuff. And so he did this massive study on it and it turned out that like his results almost fit what Bill Walsh did to a T. So basically it was like what the analytics are telling you is be more like Bill Walsh. And then one of the people who, you know, uh, one of the people who did this for another team told me that it was the same thing with Belichick. Like when they did studies and that sort of thing, the studies almost completely lined up with the way Belichick handled situations. So this idea that, um, that he doesn't that, – that, that, that he's not analytical. Um, maybe he doesn't use the advanced numbers, but, you know, I, I certainly think, like, the way that he thinks is historically lined up with the way that people in analytics have, have thought. Albert Breer with us here on Grant and Danny. So, Albert, his resume speaks for itself, obviously. If yeah. not the greatest coach of all time, he's, like, second or third, right? But the last several years, him as GM and personnel guy, yeah. frankly, the roles have been pretty terrible. And I know a yep. lot of fans here, and I, and I, can, I don't want to speak for all of them, but I can speak for me. The idea of him bringing that act anywhere else wouldn't excite me very much. Bill Belichick, the coach, I still think there's a lot there, to kind of to your point of what you are just yeah. talking about. But personnel guy, that's not that exciting. I can't imagine he'd want to take a lesser role, not picking the ingredients well, to evoke Bill Parcells. So I, I think you're right to, to ask that question. And, you know, most people I, I know um, in coaching of Coach Against Him have said, like this is not like he like like he has not lost his fastball. He's still one of the most difficult coaches to work against in the NFL, right? But his record on the scouting side and the personnel side has really suffered and hasn't hasn't been good over the last five or six years. And like he has a history, a recent history of overruling scouts where I mean, there's the famous example from twenty nineteen when he overruled his scouts who really liked Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown and drafted Nikhil Harry in the first round. So there's like a ton of evidence that he's not, that, you, you, they, they, that you're right, that you wouldn't want him running the personnel side, but you'd be more than happy with him as your coach. I, like my question would be, is he willing to sort of maybe dial that part back? Because I think there's a chance he would be. And I know he's done things for one way forever, and I think it would be really hard to remake things in New England, right? Like, I think it would be very hard to do that in the same place. But if he's going somewhere else and he can bring in somebody he really trusts to run the personnel side, I think that could work. That's what happened with Andy Reid. 
like, and I don't know how much you guys know about this, but Andy Reid had as much control as Belichick does in New England when he was in Philadelphia. And Andy left Philly and basically decided, you know what? Like, I just want to coach. I want to sort of take a step back on a bunch of this this stuff. And I'm going to bring in somebody I really trust and John Dorsey from Green Bay to run the scouting side for me. So there is precedent for that. Like, you could say, you, you could have that discussion with him where you'd say, okay, we want you to focus on just being our coach. Um, and we'll allow you to help run the GM search process, and then we're going to give that GM the hammer as far as decision-making. I think that that's something that, you know, again, there's precedent for it with a great coach because it happened with Andy Reid, and it's something that I think could work for you if that's the way you wanted to set it up. Albert Breer on Grant and Danny. Something I saw you mention on this, I think you mentioned it earlier in the interview, maybe in passing, but I'm wondering what else you know about it. It sounds like Josh Harris has a relationship with or maybe cross paths with a craft. Yeah. Is it Jonathan Kraft? What's the deal with Jonathan that? Kraft? Yeah. So Jonathan Kraft is basically the heir. Like he's going to get the tease what Stephen Jones is in Dallas. So he'll, he's the president of the team. Now he'll wind up being like the primary owner um, of the four sons. He's the one who's kind of lined up to be the primary owner. Um, you know, when the, when, when the time comes. And uh, Jonathan Kraft went to Harvard Business School with Josh Harris. So they've known each other since, I think, about 1990, so for more than 30 years. So if there was something that needed to be worked out compensation-wise in how any of this were going to work, then there's a relationship in place. And I think we all know, like, how those sorts of relationships can help in situations like this. What do you make of Orlovsky's? Uh, point yesterday or, or he he's not a reporter he admitted that yeah so I, I'm treading lightly but he said he's heard that Belichick already knows where he's going that seemed crazy to me well first of all I love Dan I hate I hate when when people who aren't reporters do this because correct I agree with you because because we still because they, they know people so we still have to chase everything down but they don't have the skin in the game like if I were to report something like that and get it wrong, like that's a really, well, you look really terrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, you like, just kind of lob the grenade, right? You're just like, oh, I but heard this, this, but I'm not but, reporting but, but, it. Yeah. But somebody else, but, but this, but, but he can say it. And like a week later, no one's going to remember if it was wrong, you know? So uh, <laughs> that's my own personal feeling on it. Like, and I love Dan, but like, it sucks. Like, um, <laughs> you know, for the rest of us that we're the one we have to, we're allowed to chase these things down. Um, yeah, like I said, the rumor mill has been churning for a while on Bill. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's. I mean, you know, you hear Dallas too, you know. So, I, like I, you know, you have to take all these things with a grain of salt, I would say. And um, anytime there's a coach of this stature that could be available, there's going to be rumors. And, you know, you sort of have to try to separate rumor from fact and, I don't know that Dan – I think Dan, like, may have, like, take, taken the step of rumor to fact um, a little haphazardly, I'll say. And like I said, I love Dan, but, like, it's just – it's stuff that, like, we're trained as reporters. And I'm not saying we're out here covering – you know, we're not out here covering, like, the, the, the conflict in the Middle East. Like, we're covering a lot less serious stuff than that. But there is, like, some some level of training, like, where it's, like, you know – you learn the difference between rumor and fact and taking the step from rumor and fact rumor to fact is a pretty big one. And now for some speculation here, Albert, no, I'm only semi-serious, but this one's impossible to answer. Obviously. What do you think here? When will we know definitively one way or the other, right? Whether either this is, this is go or everybody's is willing, a willing participant 
or this was much ado about nothing? When do you think we might know something? On Bill and Washington? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't think, like, anything would happen before the end of the season. Um, I don't think it's going to be, like, you know, like the circus that some of these have been in the past. You know, I, I remember, I mean, I was, you know, a teenager when Parcells, you know, was back-channeling to the to the Jets while he was still coaching the Patriots. And then you had the opposite happen three years later where Belichick's back-channeling to the Patriots while he's with the Jets. So I don't, I don't know that that stuff will get out there quite as much on this one. Um, you know, I, I, so I, I think my, my guess would be the crafts. Are like I, the one thing I can't predict is what Bill is going to do. But if things keep circling the drain, my guess at some point is the crafts will have that discussion with Bill, and then it becomes up to Bill whether or not he wants to have this like kind of graceful mutual parting where either they announce something the you know the couple weeks left in the season so fans can say goodbye or they say it at the end of the year or he just makes them fire him um, either way you know I, the rumors will be churning and um, I would think that you know pretty quickly after um, you know I, I would think pretty quickly after after the last game of the season all that stuff will start to ramp up and again like I I, I hate talking about like Ron and, and Marty and Martin as if like it's over. Cause it's not, cause they've got a pretty good team that's been competitive all year. The young quarterbacks playing well. And so those guys certainly still have a chance to, 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 to make all of this move. That's going to do it here for this Thursday night edition of overtime. If you want to keep the conversation going with me on Twitter, it is at N E L L underscore B T P tech talk live coming up next right here on the fan. How powerful is Cox internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.